Hey guys, episode three here. There is currently a fly on my pop filter. Excuse me, little sir. Woo! Anyway, as I was saying, episode three, I just sat down with Mike Plant from Authentically Local. He is a real estate agent in the Windsor, Essex area and an entrepreneur at heart. I can't wait for you guys to hear his story. It's not a traditional one and he has such a wealth of knowledge because of it. I have looked up to Mike personally and professionally for many years now, and it was an honor to get to sit down, listen to his story, and then give it to you guys. So let's do it. Please listen carefully. All right. So I know you have like a long story because (laughs) you've done so many things in your life. (laughs) Yeah. Take me from the beginning (laughs) all the way to the end. All the way to the end. Well, I hope I'm nowhere near the end. I no. guess that's a starting point. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I grew up in South Windsor. Uh, graduated Holy Names High School, which seems like an eternity now, in 2001. Wow. That's not an eternity. <laughs> it's almost, it is literally almost a millennium, if you think about it. <laughs> it was the millennium. Trying to make you feel better here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to about grade 12 in high school, and um, we had OAC grade 13 at the time. And when kind of the end of grade 12 came and it started making decisions of what do you want to do, you know, college, university. Actually, I kind of got told that I shouldn't go to college. I should go to university because my marks were good enough. So, um, yeah, I kind of looked at university and looked at the different programming and I had no concept of what I really wanted to do at all. And um, actually had a conversation with uh, my drama teacher at the time who said there's a program at the University of Windsor. It's called Dramatic Arts and Education. I think you'd, uh, I think you'd like it. And when I say dramatic arts and education, most people think drama as in acting and stuff, which we had to do. Um, But it was more along the education based um, and community aspect. So it was kind of taking the elements of drama and how you can put them into a classroom and how you can make um, education more uh, engaging, more Mm -hmm. not entertaining, but to a certain extent entertaining for kids. Um, it was a lot to do with critical thinking and analysis and, uh, I liked the concept of it. So mm-hmm. I applied to it. I got in, <clears throat> went the next fall and, um, I did my first year and I just, I wasn't ready. My head wasn't there and I went, I can continue to do this. Um, or I can take some time off. I just looked at it as in, in terms of money almost as well at the time yeah. and said, I'm going to spend seven, $8,000 a year to sit here and not really know if this is what I want to do. So, Which is uh, a way I feel like a lot of people are. I know I was the same way. Yeah, and I think it's changing a little bit, but I think at the time it was kind of the process you went through. You went to high school, you went to university, you got a job, um, you got married, you bought a house around where you grew up, and it just kind of stayed there. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I after the first year, I just sat down, talked to my parents, made the decision I think I just need some time off. And I got to give my parents all the credit in the world because they were supportive enough and I think believed enough in me that it was, okay, if you're going to take time off, you're going to make it worthwhile. You know, it's not going to be a matter of just sitting at home doing nothing. Um, So they kind of pushed me out there to to try some stuff and do some stuff. So I spent the next three years uh, traveling. Uh, I was actually in a band and we... Tell me about the <laughs> Yes. <clears throat> the intense days. Um, yeah. 1998. It'll be 20 years this year that me and those guys started Reunion. that. Reunion. Reunion. You know what's funny? We actually talked about it a little while ago. I was like, we got to do something. Like, just for ourselves, even. Remake the music video. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Please don't put that on here. Please edit that out. No, just kidding. But, um, yeah, no, actually, it's, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was a boy band. It was, we... We sang and danced and wrote our own music. And, you know, I'm sure at the time we took a lot of flack for what we were doing. But it was kind of the start of business for me as well because, I mean, we were grade – we would have been grade 11. Yeah, I think grade 11 when we started. And we were ourselves. Like we were booking grade schools in the area. They were paying us $500 a show to come perform. So we were managing money and – we were uh, going and getting our own business and finding it. And then it kind of stretched from there. We started finding our own business in the States and we started finding our own business overseas in the UK. And all of a sudden we were sitting in record companies, uh, you know, A&R departments singing for people. 
um, just because we knocked on doors and, uh, you know, kind of pounded the pavement a little bit. So I think it was kind of a, I, I, it's a huge part of, I think, of who I am today. And I think because I did it with a couple other people, like Matt, Tommy, and Greg, three of my best friends still to this day, you know, out of everybody you go to high school with, they're the three that I probably keep in touch with, you know, the most. Um, but it was nice because we always had each other to, to lean on as well. So I think it made that learning the process of business a yeah. little less scary mm-hmm. because you could always look over next to you and see somebody else. But no, it was a wonderful amazing experience that uh, I wouldn't change for the world. And yeah, we just got to a point in 2003 or so. Um, So it was kind of near the end of my third year of being off of university. And I just said, you know what, it's just time to to get back to to kind of the real world, I I guess. Mm -hmm. So I went back to university. Best decision I made because I was ready. Yeah. I kind of joke. I think I'm the only one of the few people maybe in the world whose grades got better from kindergarten to the end of university because I finally found some purpose and I had some life experience behind it that uh, that helped me, I think, kind of have some guidance of what I wanted to do. So I pushed forward with that. Um, and you were doing the drama, that drama program? Yeah, same okay. program. So I went back in because it was an audition program. I mm-hmm. had to audition for it the first time. Mm-hmm. My spot was saved for me. So all I had to do is go talk to the, uh, one oh, of my professors cool. and uh, got me right back in, which was, which was really nice. Cause I wasn't sure. I think even at that time, uh, you know, what else I would have done, but I knew I wanted to, my travels had interacted me with a lot of people. I knew I wanted to work with people. Um, I had been good with kids, uh, working with kids, teaching kids. I liked that aspect. I had coached before. So I thought, you know what, this is kind of a natural path for me to mm-hmm. take. Um, so I finished up my program and I went to teacher's college. I did my one year of teacher's college. And like most people that do teacher's college, especially at that time, I walked out the door and there was nothing. There was nothing really available. Mm-hmm. Um, and the frustrating part for me was I had a placement at uh, the same school twice in teacher's college. And I thought, hey, this is a great way in. I was volunteering. I was doing extra hours. They liked me. I liked the school, it vibed really well. And at the end, it was just, there's no spots. sorry, yeah. there's nothing we can really do. Right. The system is the way it is. Yeah, I kind of looked at myself again like I had prior, you know, years prior and said, what am I going to do now? Um, in my second, when I went back to university um, after the three-year break, uh, that summer I spent three months in Italy. I got a job uh, as an English tutor working in English camps in Italy. And the nice part was is that they put you up with one of the families of the kids that went to the camp. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So that's really cool. Yeah, I went with knowing little to no Italian. Yeah, I was gonna say that. How was that language barrier? It wasn't. It wasn't bad in certain. It always depended on who you were going to be with. So you could have a family who you know one of the parents was in business. They were pretty well versed in English. Mm-hmm. Or you could get into a family who had no English experience and. That is a great way to learn a language mm-hmm. because as you sit at a dinner table, you are literally pointing at objects at the table, learning it in Italian, teaching them in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I did that. So when I f- graduated from teacher's college, I went back again. And this time I was training, um, which was a lot of fun. allowed me to meet a lot of different people. So I did that uh, till about September almost that year. Mm-hmm. And then I went home and again found myself back in the same boat which I'm sure a lot of people do, and I had no idea um, what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. How old were you at this time? I was 25. So whereas a lot of people I knew had kind of settled into life, I was kind of sitting there going, what do I do next? And <laughs> Which, uh, you know, the more I look back on it, the more I realize it was a good question to ask because yeah. I think it's really easy to to settle into something Get sometimes stuck. even mm-hmm. if even if it's not what you want to do so uh, I had gotten a job at the LCBO I was just working there um, just as much as I could until I figured out what I was going to do and I on a whim uh, within about four days I went online I applied for a visa to the UK uh, got my visa booked a flight and went and told my parents I'm moving to the UK. See ya. <laughs> Which mom mom didn't take so well at first. Um, obviously, they were super happy for me. But, you know, anytime I think a kid goes away, 
it's got to be hard. Especially that far. <laughs> yeah, especially that far. I mean, I think it probably helped a little. We have family there, and yeah. we had been oh, there okay. several times on vacation. Right. So it wasn't like I was going to some far stretch of the earth where, you know, maybe worrying about safety and right, right, and, right, and right. stuff like that. So how long were you there for? So yeah, so I I booked my tickets in uh, in my passport and my visa in November and January 10th I got on a plane and I went and I knew a couple of people from teachers college who were there already they were nice enough to let me crash on their couch they were teachers as well and um, I got a job supply teaching and I got lucky enough that um, that spring to um, take on a longer term position at a great school and um, kind of over the next almost six years I was there and then uh, those two friends decided to kind of get up and move, and I think they went to they went to Asia to teach, and I was there for a moment where I didn't have anywhere to live again and didn't know what I was going to do, and it's too expensive to live in London by mm. yourself. And, right. Um, and then actually, uh, some friends from university just messaged me up and said, "Hey, we're we're thinking about coming. How is it? What do you?" I was like, "Yeah, it's great. There's lots of opportunity to travel. The people are awesome. There's tons of stuff to do." Um, and I'm looking for roommates. Yeah. So uh, two friends, Ben and Megan, came from university, and Megan ended up being my wife. So <laughs> that's kind of how that all worked out. <laughs> um, everything happens for a reason. Everything happens for a reason. It's all part of the process, yeah. right? Um, yeah, and it was uh, it was an amazing six years. We did a lot, a lot of traveling, experienced a lot of stuff. Probably kind of continued university a little bit because it was kind of no response. Yeah, that responsi- responsibility, but no roots. You right. could travel as you wanted to. You could. Um, the UK education system is fantastic because they break everything up into six week chunks. So every six weeks, you pretty much have a week off from students and teachers. Wow. So you get a week off in February, two weeks off at Easter holidays, a week off in June. Uh, summer doesn't start until about the third week of July. Yeah. Uh, and runs till like our normal Labor Day. But to be honest, eight weeks is usually too long for summer holidays anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get about five weeks there and then a week off in October and then Christmas time. Yeah, so so you, we you had so t- many opportunities. Yeah. And you guys, have, you probably have such a different perspective on the education system here. Yeah. How it, different it is. Yes, it's uh, it is very different. I always said if you could blend the two together, you probably find a, a nice happy medium between yeah. the two. There it was very much about statistics and kids scores and a lot of pressure put on kids because um, they graduate grade school and go to high school after what would be grade six here. Whoa. So you're grade seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, all together in the same school. So you're writing entry exams in grade six to get into a high school. And the high schools, a lot of the times, are seen kind of like colleges, like certain high schools are higher ranked and private schools and all boys schools and all girls schools. Um, So there's a lot of pressure put on kids to to meet standards. Mm -hmm. Good to a certain extent because you're throughout the, you know, we taught in uh, elementary school, so it was like grades three to six, so three, four, five, and six, like called it a junior school. Yeah. Um, so it was good that you were constantly checking that kids were making progress and you were really pushing curriculum and really making sure they were advancing to their full capability. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was it, you could see a lot of pressure on, on kids as well. Especially at a young age. That's, yeah. That's different. I feel, you know, you get pressure when you're going to university at 17, 18, let alone yeah. <laughs> in grade six. Oh, absolutely. So... But again, it was it was an amazing experience, and um, like everything, I think you just got to a point. We got to a point where it was, do we stay here forever and put down roots? But again, London's such an expensive city to live in, and mm-hmm. so far away from family. And and Megan is from Windsor <clears throat> as well. Megan grew up in Chatham. Okay. So um, yeah, so it, it it was a tough decision, and uh, so when we moved back, um, we were both teachers. And with the teaching market not really improving, I said, I got to do something else. I mm-hmm. think I think it's time. Um, so while we were still there, before I left, I started taking my real estate courses. Um, so when I came home, I had pretty much my license ready to go. And I jumped into real estate and I have not looked back since in the since. last three and a half years. <laughs> and it's been a wild, uh, wild, fantastic ride. Yeah. So at that time, when you come back home you know, over the course of the last call it eight years, you've done a lot of a lot of start restart start restart in a in a certain context for sure and then coming back home and restarting a new life again was that challenging to do especially in a new um 
I don't know, a new career from what you're you were used to. Yeah, I think the other I think the other moves and changes have always been a little more comfortable as much as maybe the location was uncomfortable um, at times or a big uh, a big change of scenery. This one was the biggest one because it was a totally different field. It was a totally different area. You know, when I finished uh, university and I went and taught in Italy, it was still education. When I went to the UK, it was still education. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of making positive leaps forward in the same field, um, which made it easier. But coming back and going into something that I had really never thought about before, um, it really didn't come into mind until I talked to another friend who was an international teacher from Ontario, and he had done it. He had um, taught overseas, and he was probably about a year ahead of me in terms of real estate. So he had just gone through it. He um, got his license, moved back to Canada uh, in Ontario, got into real estate, and he really liked it and kind of pushed me forward saying, I think you'd be good at it. I think you'd really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I took the jump. And yeah. Yeah, it's it's been scary at times, you know, especially starting out. But absolutely, you know, anything worth doing, I think, is a little bit scary, right? Yeah, of course. And I didn't even realize until like the last few years of really getting to know you was doing real estate. You're you're your own boss. You're an entrepreneur. You're doing this. You know, you have an overarching company for sure. But you know, you really gotta bust it out, right? Like that's on you to go and get clients and go and build your kind of yep. empire, right? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's kind of a misconceived notion. Even when you, uh, when you look at real estate as a career, there's no salary every week. You know, it's yeah, it's you got to go out and and do the work every single day to really. Bottom line is kind of put food on the table. Right. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. We ha- you have an overarching company, so I work for Royal Page Binder, which is an absolutely phenomenal company, and I, I've just been so happy with the support and the training and. Uh, just the general um, feel and the general attitude that the company has from mm-hmm. the boss all the way down. It's a great place to great place to work. But when it comes down to it every single day, it's I gotta put myself, you know, in the car every morning. I gotta pick up the phone. There's nobody standing there telling me, Hey Mike, did you make three calls today or did you follow up this or did you do that? It's no, it's it's all on me. And I think that was I think it's part of the reason I've enjoyed it so much too, where I came from teaching, which was very, got very regulated. Right. I was going to say, was that challenging to go from, you know, a job where you are, I mean, in traditional sense, being checked in on and you have to show up at a certain time and you end at a certain time. Was it more of a challenge or more of like exciting to have something different? I think it was very liberating for me. I, when I got into teaching, I loved the aspect of this is the curriculum, go be creative and do what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And in teaching in different places and with the way certain things had changed in education systems in various locations, it got more structured of this is how you have to teach it. Mm-hmm. So the artistry of it is what I always found interesting. So when that kind of disappeared, it, um, I think maybe for me, it lost, I lost a little bit of the, the love of that, not the necessarily the love of it, but it became a little regimented. It yeah. became a little robotic. Yeah. So getting into this, it's been very liberating because I'm the one that gets to wake up every day and go, hey, let's try this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's, you know, let me do this for my clients as a thank you. Let me, you know, advertise this way. Let me yeah. experiment with this. Obviously, there's rules and regulations we still need to follow in, in advertising and stuff. But just to know that I can wake up and be creative and and try something new. And if it doesn't work, then, you know what, back to the drawing board yeah. and some stuff, you know, throw it at the wall. Some stuff yeah. will stick and some st- stuff won't. So. Yeah. so tell me about when you woke up and you wanted to do Authentically Local. Where did that come from? Yeah, so the Authentically Local um, idea, it came into existence right when I started. I kind of felt that Windsor and Essex County, um, there wasn't a lot of representation out there necessarily for it. I knew I wanted to do it. I wasn't sure just exactly how. Mm-hmm. So starting off the business, trying to balance that and start that at the same time was a little bit of a, a bit of a challenge. So it kind of sat in the back of my mind. I tried blogging it a little bit, but I found that it wasn't necessarily getting the traction or the attention that I thought the people whose stories I was telling deserved. Mm-hmm. And then plus trying to start up a business on top of it, it's kind of sometimes you need to refocus a little while. So I, um, I just 
kind of got to a point uh, earlier this year where I think I had made a ton of excuses <laughs> for not doing it. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of finally threw myself, you know, like you're doing here with the podcast. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to throw yourself both feet in sometimes and see what happens, which kind of makes me laugh because I've kind of always done that with everything else I've done. But for some reason, you know, doing the authentically local videos and showcasing local restaurants and people and um, just things that the community has to offer um, should have been an easy transition. But for some reason, when, you know, you start overthinking it. Yeah. Well, and do you think it was because it was just you? Now, you know, you were doing all these things where you were with teachers across seas or the band, you're with the band, like how you talked earlier about like it was easier because there was people around you doing the same thing with you. Yeah. Maybe that was like a, well, I know when you're doing it by yourself. I had listened to your previous podcast with Kirsten and it's, it is amazing how much you get in your own head, I think sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you know what? I don't, I don't know how to do video well enough, or I don't know how to do sound well enough. And it's like, you know what? it doesn't really matter. You just got to start. And guess what? You're going to get better at it. You're going to get more comfortable. I still don't like seeing myself on camera, but you know what? It's kind of like, if I really want the story to be told the way I I think it should be told, Mm -hmm. then sometimes I'm going to have to get in front of the camera and, and help out as well. So yeah, the authentically local, uh, it's just kind of the slogan that I've, I've used for myself for, for real estate. And now with the, the videos, I'd like to eventually kind of get into podcasts, but I'm going to take one baby, one baby step at a time and (laughs) and try this. So yeah, we've done two episodes. Uh, We did one on the Anchor Coffee House and uh, did one for Mike DeFazio, Reclaim Artist in Mm -hmm. Droulard, which was great. Both of them were fantastic and they're just so passionate about what they're, what they do and what they talk about that it's, it just comes across um, so wonderful. And it's been great to see the feedback from people on social media who go, I never knew that Mike DeFazio was there. I got to go check it out. Oh, I've been, you know, thinking about going to the Anchor Coffee House for so long and I've never gone in. So the best thing I heard was, you know, people I know or clients that text me went, hey, I watched it and I went in two days later and tried it and it was great. So for me, that's kind of what that's birthed out of because really it's amazing how much we don't know about the things that are right around us sometimes. Yeah, some of the things that surround yeah, us. Yeah, I mean, if you want a depressing thing, just go on in like YouTube, Windsor, Ontario, and it's... it's yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of where it came out of too, because I was like, you know what, if, if I'm coming from out of town, which a lot of people are, are moving down this way, I want to be able, I want people to be able to look up something or, or search and find these videos and go, okay, cool. Like there is there is stuff going on there that I didn't know that isn't really readily available to everybody. Yeah. yeah. I want to rewind a little bit about doing the videos and trying new things. I know you to be a learner and now thinking, I'm like, you're, you've always been a teacher, but you, you, I think that comes naturally to learn. You want to learn things and do them yourself. And I know For you sure. did the website on your own and yep. do your reading and listen to your podcast and you're always learning new things and doing those videos by yourself. What do you think is like the benefit of doing things solo? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say my first video, I had a, a guy, Matt Catton, who works out of Chatham, mm-hmm. um, runs a media company there. He helped me out with that one and did a did a fantastic job. The Mike DeFazio one, I, I decided to do on my own. I think it's, it's kind of a combination. I love collaborative working. I mean, the videos themselves are collaborative in nature, right? right. Two different people from, or, you know, businesses from two different areas kind of bouncing off of each other mm-hmm. to to help one or both grow. Right. Each party benefits. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And if I can give more than I can take, that's always kind of the way I do everything. But yeah, kind of doing it solo was also putting a little bit of, um, I think, myself behind it. Mm -hmm. Whereas it's easy sometimes to say it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to because somebody else didn't mix it right or do this. (laughs) Yep. And I also just became fascinated by it. I was like, and I wanted to be able to produce more content. So I went, you know, if I want to be able to produce more content when I want and when I see fit, then I would like to do it myself. Yeah, it gives you that immediacy of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talk to me a little bit about, I know, as a client and friend, that (laughs) you're always, (laughs) always uh, heavily involved in the community. And I know that uh, building relationships within the community is really important for you personally and professionally. Yeah. And one of the greatest things ever, and it's it's just the giving and of your time and of your your space, of your knowledge. 
you know, I know you're involved in a lot of charities and, you know, doing runs, doing the golf tournament. I just want you to talk about the importance of giving because you even said it earlier. It's more about giving than you take. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where it stemmed from. Maybe it's maybe it's family. Maybe it's my parents um, who, you know, at any time just gave up whatever they had to do to make sure that their three kids had what they had or were able to experience the things they did. Um, maybe it comes from my grandparents who emigrated and gave up, you know, a life somewhere else to come over here with $5 in their pocket and start. But I think as I get older, you just kind of get to a point where I think when you're younger, it's all about me and taking. Mm -hmm. And you kind of just hit a switch and you get to a point when you're like, you know what, it's a little bit more about the other side. Mm -hmm. And I started to, I think it came out of teaching as well, was the more that you're giving of yourself, I think the better you actually feel about yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's both. Like I love seeing people happy. I love seeing my clients thrilled. I love exceeding people's expectations in that sense. I love mm-hmm. being able to donate my time and, and watch an event um, make an impact on people. Mm-hmm. Like you were saying, the golf tournament, which I've been involved with for three years now. Yeah. I mean, we haven't totaled up this year's, but it was another great event that we had. And we raised $30,000 last year for a hiatus house, which stays local. So as much as I might not ever see directly what that money does. I know it's making a positive impact. Although I shouldn't say that because last year the money went towards building the playground right. that's in the hiatus house yeah. um, back. So, I mean, that is, you can actually go by and look and go, wow, yeah. that, that made a difference. So, yeah. yeah, the giving just, I really just come to learn that, you know what, the more you throw it into the universe, it's weird how the universe kind of throws it back. And sometimes in ways that you just don't know, it's just taking opportunity. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of part of the giving, right? It's just, hey, you just don't know what your actions is going to cause for somebody else in a day. Maybe yep. somebody's having a terrible day and your just nice compliment or gesture changes everything for yep. them in a day. Or maybe in for yourself, maybe it opens up a door that you just never knew existed. Mm-hmm. I always laugh because I always said I would have never probably have stayed in the UK more than a year if it wasn't for a trip to McDonald's on a Saturday morning. Please tell me more about this. Somewhat hungover. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Um, love the honesty. <laughs> yeah, love the honesty. No, I had gone out, I had gone out with friends, um, uh, roommates, and we. I never really eat McDonald's, especially over there. And there was one right around the corner from where we lived. And I just went, hmm, today just seems like a day. Let's go. So I walked in, walked in the front door, went into line, and was standing behind a guy with a backpack and a baseball bat sticking out and a Montreal Canadiens hat. And I stood there and I looked and I didn't, I was like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. And I just kind of stood there for a sec and I just went, hey, nice hat. (laughs) And the guy turned around and he was like, hey, thanks, man. And he was clearly Canadian. So we just started talking and I was like, saw you have a baseball bat, you know, where you guys play baseball around here? We have a team. It's a bunch of Canadians, Americans and Brits and stuff. Do you play? Yeah. Do you want to come out? Sure. And that was my core group of friends and like that whole year. I think it gave me the base of the people around me that made me want to stay. So that whole thing of just, if I wouldn't have said, hey, nice hat, my whole life might have been different. I may not have uh, stayed another year. Mm -hmm. My wife maybe would not have come over. We would not have reconnected and started dating. I might not be back here with an 18-month-old son. Like, It's just crazy to think that a, hey, nice hat. Yep. Just giving a compliment to somebody was... uh, Was that powerful. Was that powerful. Yeah. And I think if you have the ability to give a compliment to someone, why wouldn't you, right? Like, that's what I think a lot of people get caught up in is, like, almost the fear of, like, especially now in the technology age of Mm -hmm. putting your head in your phone all the time, is, like, when someone actually sits down and talks to you at, like, the dentist office, it's, like, comes off weird, but it can genuinely bring so much more than just that conversation. I can tell you that I went to my orthodontist appointment. There was a dude sitting there. We're both watching the TV that's in the area. It was about like foam pillows and he leans over and he, what do you think about these pillows? And at first, to be honest, I was like taken aback. I was like, people want to like converse in public. This is so strange. (laughs) Yeah. Is this what it's like? Yeah. (laughs) Are you talking to me? Are you talking to me, sir? Yeah. (laughs) No, we end up just chatting and sitting there and talk about these pillows and then, you know, oh, what do you do? And it was so nice and so weird that it, that's like a rare occurrence. And then I went to like my next appointment and I'm sitting there waiting for like, who's going to talk to me this time? (laughs) No, everyone's got their head in their phones. (laughs) I know. It's, 
<clears throat> it's amazing. And I think maybe coming from teaching as well, and now especially having a son, it amazes me. I am so much more, I guess, hypersensitive to looking around, like you said, and seeing what people are doing. And it is amazing to me. Um, I was in a doctor's office a little while ago, and the I looked around and I just saw parents and kids sitting in there. And it was like parent on phone, children with a child with a tablet shoved in front of them and like quiet. And in the corner, there was a mom reading to her kid. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like win. Like yeah. I am, don't get me wrong. Yeah. I am all about, you know, social media and connecting and yep. stuff. But there was just something so awesome about seeing a parent taking the time to just go, you know what? No, no technology. Just mm-hmm. let's sit and read. Yep. Um, yeah. Well, and that's a, a thing that hopefully our, and I said this in the first podcast too, like our generation is learning that the effects of having your phone in front of you 24 seven and how like we now want to be more out in nature and it's like get away from that. And it's like, it's that learning process as it like, as the pages turn of life, Yeah, we've gone through having it all the time. Now we're seeing, you know, the downfalls and there are obviously the benefits as well. And now we're like ready to shift again, being like, okay, now we know the effects of sitting in front of your computer 24 seven and playing all the video games and you know, one, two, three, four, and hopefully having that shift with our children in the next generation. Yeah. And I think you can see it. Like, I mean, I'm what, 10 years older than you, I think pretty 25. much. Yeah. So mm-hmm. 35. And it's amazing to see the shift. I think that mm-hmm. I think my age is kind of the one that's starting it, but I'm seeing the dominoes down to you guys where we're going you know what? We don't want our kids to be inside all day. We want them outside. Right. We, we want to change. Like yep. we, we want something different. And I'm noticing in your generation, huge, even in real estate, mm. because I mean, we're noticing that, you know, your age, as much as I know that, you know, economic factors have played into as well, but yep. you guys don't want as big of houses. Right. You don't want a huge mortgage. You want to find somewhere that's ha- has some character mm-hmm. and that you can make your own and that you can then spend money to travel and and do charity work and venture off into the world rather than just being homeset. And I've right. noticed that already being a change in generations. And mm-hmm. I think it's a positive. The social media, the Facebook, we're the first generation of it. So it's kind of like, you know, 1.0 and it takes <laughs> it takes a adju- it takes some adjusting. There's yeah. going to be kinks, there's yeah. going to be issues, there's going to be downfalls, um, but there's also a huge upside to it all that is uh, is uh, positive to see as well. Tell me a little bit about your social media experience and how you've been involved in that world, whether it be prof- professionally or personally, and how that works out for the real estate game. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I just, just talking about this the other day, I mean, I'm not the best on social media and um, I'm learning and getting better. For me, it's time. Uh, especially again, having an 18 month old son mm-hmm. and family that you want to dedicate your time with. Cause it's so easy just to be wrapped up in it all the time. It, it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to see, um, let's say in the real estate, first of all, it has pluses and, and minuses, you know, positives and negatives, like anything else. It's amazing to see that if you list a house, and just put it on Facebook and, and, and sponsor it a little bit. Um, you know, people are sharing with it. They're putting their, they're tagging their friends who are looking for homes. I mean, you can reach eight to 10,000 people in three days. Mm-hmm. Whereas in, for terms of real estate, like, I mean, that's a great benefit to a seller. It's also a great benefit to a, a buyer who maybe stumbles across something that they probably wouldn't have before. It does have some downsides. It's a, uh, it is interesting sometimes to see how people will comment on a house that isn't perfect right um or their taste (laughs) yeah that right so i mean that gets tougher to navigate sometimes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but i mean it's obviously everybody's entitled to their opinion of things Mm -hmm. so i think it's just navigating it in a professional way as well so being an entrepreneur and navigating that world how has that process changed for you since you started um i think i think starting out it's uh you're just trying to get your head wrapped around it. Um, the process is really just don't don't drown. <laughs> <laughs> Keep your head above the water. It really it really <laughs> is because they go, congratulations, here's your license, here's your realtor number, here's the company you work for, jump. <laughs> and then you land and you go, 
I, I, I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> how do I go about it? Where do I find clients? What do I do? And luckily, I've had a, such a supportive network of people, even within my office, that I was able to lean on and kind of mentor under and, and get guidance from. And it's just kind of like learning to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, not everything's going to be perfect every single day. You know, it's not always as shiny as it seems like on social media, mm-hmm. especially in this market. You know, mm-hmm. it's long hours. It's long days. People think that, you know, it's super easy right now when really it's probably the most difficult time to be a realtor. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'll put in like the last few days I've done 10 hours, 10 hours and 12 hour days. And at the end of it, I might not see any pay whatsoever. Right. Right. How <laughs> I, do you know when to turn off your work day? It's hard. Or it, do you turn off your work day, right? Because it's like an ongoing thing. That's, a, that's part of the process that I, I'm, I'm learning and, and trying to get better at mm-hmm. because it can be all-consuming now, especially with cell phones Yeah. because you are available all the time. And I love being available for my clients. Mm-hmm. Anytime they have issues or questions, I always say, just call me, text me. Absolutely, I'm happy to answer. Mm-hmm. But you do, do still need your personal time and you do need to kind of be able to put it on pause and put it aside and mm-hmm. you know I've gotten better at certain things like hey you know what we're gonna go out for dinner or we're going to move the phone's got to go off for two hours mm-hmm. and I think when you're starting as well right like every deal is the end of the world right yep that's how you get so mm-hmm. it, it's very easy especially in the beginning to get into the habit of just I need to have it with me because you what know, if someone needs me? What if someone needs me? What yep. if it, it matters? You know, if, if I don't sell this house, then that's no money in for the family. Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of learning how to navigate that aspect. I think the biggest thing, and I when I talk to newer agents now, I mean, three and a half years in, I'm not exactly a, a veteran, but I've had enough, especially in this market where mm-hmm. it's been as crazy as it is, um, to kind of have a little bit of experience. And I always said it's about managing peaks and valleys. Because when you get into it, mm-hmm. you know, the highs are really high and awesome because you're doing great and everything's good. And then in a week, you could have like six weeks of the lows of the lows. Right. So it's just learning how to manage your emotions through those times. Yeah. Because you go like, you go with that wave. Oh my God, things are awesome. Things are great. And then you get really low because, oh my God, I'm never going to sell another house again. Right. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and you always have up and down, up yeah. and down, up and so down. So it's learning to just, instead of making that roller coaster go all the way up and all the way down, it's just kind of trying to find that even steady flow of, hey, you know what? And I went through it this year. I'll be honest. It was a slower part of my start to my year. But I went, you know what? Okay. So I'm a little bit slower with clients and stuff right now. I'm going to go do other stuff. I'm going right. to get involved with something. I'm going to keep my feet moving. Right. And... I'm not going to get down because of it. And it's amazing because then all of a sudden the phone rings two or three times and mm-hmm. it gets good. And then you can't get carried away on the on the high. Right. So it's just learning to – and I think that's life in general, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what tools, like, what would you give a listener on how to manage – like, how do you manage that? That's easy to say, right? It, just go and manage oh, it. Oh, for but sure. What what tools are you, you know, using to do that? I think a couple of different things. One, it's just figuring out your own headspace. I think that's a big part of it. It's just drilling that in of, yeah, you know what? It's not the end of the world. You just got to remind yourself that, you know, whether it's in the car. I use my car as kind of a classroom every day. So when I'm driving around, I, mm-hmm. I have podcasts on or I've gotten in a habit a lot of times. I just don't put anything on. Me too. I drive in silence. Me too. And it kind of allows me to clear some headspace sometimes. Yep. And it also allows me time to just say, you know, if I've had a rough day is kind of, I know you've talked about it before. It's kind of gratitudes, right? It's, Mm -hmm. it's looking at it and going, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, what happened today? Okay. So this didn't work out. This didn't work out. You know, somebody was mad at you for this or upset that you, you know, didn't do this or did do that. And then I look at the bigger picture of things and go, you know what? You're healthy. All your family's here. You got a a beautiful wife and an amazing Mm -hmm. little kid at home. And you got a roof over your head and you live in a great, safe place yep. to be. So yep. I think perspective, and I think that maybe comes with some experience, experience. sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, that's – I think so much is your own headspace. Yeah. The other part is is kind of collaboration. It's, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm really having one that I just can't handle, you know, I'll call one of the other guys or girls in the office and just say, hey, what would you have done in this situation? Right. You know, sometimes you just need that – 
reaffirming that, mm-hmm. you know, you are doing it right and it is okay yeah. and, and you can go on. Yeah. And your, you know, for me, uh, spousal support and parent support, you know, yep. because I think they've gotten to know too is that when I do have a bad day, even Megan now is like, it's all right. It's going to be fine. Yep. Just let it go. Yep. And I go, okay. Yeah. And I think a lot of it is just allowing yourself to be in that moment, whether it's sad, angry, embarrassed, whatever that feeling is, is a point that I'm getting to now is like, it's okay. Let it happen. Just don't hold on to it forever. You know, let it run its course. Yeah. And then let it go. My dad has always said it to me, especially in moments of life where, you know, it's, it seems like it's the end of the world when really it's not. No. But he always said, you know, this too shall pass. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I've always kind of put in my head now of, uh, you know, finally being 35 and going, oh, right. That makes sense. That makes sense, yeah. right? I get it now. Yeah. But it's true. It's this too shall pass. Like yeah. it's the sun's going to rise tomorrow and exactly. it'll be a new day and a fresh start and a clean slate and yep. and you just make the best of it that you can. Yeah. I certainly, I always am now rethinking, trying to relearn in my own head because I, you know, like everyone, have those ups and downs you were talking mm-hmm. about. And I'm very extreme in both of them. Yeah. And something my boyfriend Dylan said to me the other day was, it's temporary. And like that stuck with me is like thinking like, this feeling is, it, it's temporary. And it's similar to the, this too shall pass. Yeah. This is only in this moment. There's going to be a tomorrow, <clears throat> you know, and in two with the gratitude, it is like, it's about training your brain because I think, when you say like, oh, like, what are you grateful for? Like, practice your gratitudes. Everyone gets all like, oh yeah, and they roll their eyes and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. Very zen. Very, you know, very, very like, it's like hippie. all woo woo. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, it's it's, I what I try to encourage people to do is just try it because what what's the harm in in trying to do that? And then when you train your brain to look for the good in things, yeah. it becomes easier. And that's just like natural with you know your brain naturally looks for the things that are is going to harm you right trying to find what you're grateful for becomes easier for sure training that that process and i think too we're it's very interesting because i think we're a very reactive species Mm -hmm. whether it's environment whether it's your own personal life and i really think you know how many people don't stop smoking until they get a diagnosis how many people don't decide to start exercising until something happens to them. Right. You know, so I think we're always very reactive. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes it just takes, it's unfortunate, but I think a lot of times it takes something like that. Like for me, I, you know, out and about playing in a softball tournament, I got a concussion and and whiplash and had to stop work, had to take time off. And after a few months, I still wasn't really feeling right. So I went back to the doctors and I was like, no, something's wrong like mm-hmm. something isn't right because i still felt off balance all the time like, did you have a concussion before that or no, not first one that was your first and one. to be honest i don't even know if they how bad of one it was okay um but it was the only answer i had in the beginning right, right. um i definitely got my bell rung like i definitely felt woozy and stuff but i woke up the next day went to work and i was just like massive panic attack um and just felt off like i felt like i was on a boat and I was like, what? Okay, maybe it's... Like a, vertigo feeling? No, not no. like to the room, but not to the sense of like the room is spinning. Like literally like when you're on a boat and you step off onto the dock for yeah. the first time and yeah. you just get that okay, kind of back and forth, like you're still rocking. Yeah. That's what I felt all the time. For how long? Um, so it was three months before the doctors finally kind of believed. And uh, oh, we, were in the, the we were in the part. UK. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we were in the UK at the time. And one doctor went, you know what? I'm going to send you to an audiologist and, and let's look at your ears. Okay. Let's see what's going on. And mm-hmm. they, really cool. They did all this testing. Um, they literally pour hot and cold water in your ears and put blindfold on you. And it makes the room spin. <gasps> Whoa. Yeah. It plays with your inner ear. Um, and they can decipher they put all kinds of electrodes on you and they can actually monitor so they ended up finding out after the end of it that i had damaged my right inner or Uh, my right and my left inner ear and that's what was making me feel like i was on a boat all the time so there was a lot of anxiety that went with it i couldn't like i was i was a guy that was like playing big uh, softball a couple days a week running all the time um when i was home i was playing hockey one or two days a week i was playing pickup basketball and then to go to nothing for how long almost a year oh my gosh to the point that i still 
five years on, like fully haven't gotten back into things because I'm like, I don't want to hurt it again. Right. There's like um, that fear. Yeah. And granted. <laughs> but I think I got to a point like once we kind of found out, you know, getting the diagnosis or them finding out what it was, was, was a huge relief. Knowing I'm right. going, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. And there. it was, what can you, what can I do? Yeah. So I had to do exercises where I like stare at a wall in one spot, move my head back and forth. You're retraining your brain to use your ear. Cause what ends up happening is when you damage your inner ear is that your body, your body relies on three things. It's muscles, your eyes and your ears from what they've told me to balance. So if one of those three goes out, yeah, the body relies on other things to do so. Okay. So when you rely on your eyes, like if I walked through a grocery store, it was like sensory overload. My brain couldn't, there's stuff up, stuff down. So I would walk through a grocery store and have to turn around and walk out afterwards because it felt like you were in like a, a merry-go-round, like spinning. So yeah, I had to retrain my brain yeah. to trust my my ear and not my eyes. So I had right. to do stuff with my eyes closed, walking in a line with my eyes closed. What was the process like for you mentally going through that? Because that's extremely discouraging, especially as someone who was extremely athletic and out and doing things all the time. Yeah. How was that process mentally? Exhausting. I, you know, I can remember like Skyping parents and having just like emotional breakdown for someone who yeah. is, my wife will probably tell you I am emotional, but, <laughs> um, but to like, just to the point that you just couldn't, control it it was so mentally draining Mm -hmm. um especially in the times where I didn't know what was going on and then you know the side of like I felt terrible because I had like I have a partner right and I felt like I'm letting her down because I couldn't work and I felt like it was my fault I got hurt and um so there was a lot of maybe some self-guilt in there too as Mm -hmm. well about it but um it was it was a frustration of I I've kind of I've let somebody down and I'm not getting better, and, and how do I fix this? So mm-hmm. it was exhausting. Yeah. Because you wake up every morning and go, is it gone? Yeah. And I, as soon as I stood up, it was like, back. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's look at I'm not sitting here saying it's the worst thing in the world. People yeah. go through things that are a million times worse. Yep. But it is part of my story, and I mm-hmm. think out of that, I gained a better sense of one. I started to get better. The better days started to outnumber the, the worst days until yep. I got to a point that I just one day was like, oh, my God, I haven't. I haven't felt that way in like a month, you know, and just kind of ran with it. But it's also made me appreciate a lot of things like when I couldn't do. So like when I was able to go out golfing with my buddies again, I was like, this is awesome. Like if I, you know, I'd be able to, to go back to work and and do this job I'm doing now. Like just to be able, just to be able to be able to spend time with Megan and Harrison and Mm -hmm. go for walks and, and play in the living room without having to, you know, not, or worry or not be able to do so because you just felt yeah. so terrible. Yeah. So it, it, I think again, like we kind of started on it, it sometimes it, it causes, it's one, it takes one of those things to happen for you to kind of snap in and understand yeah. what gratitude Readjust. and stuff's really about. <laughs> yeah. So. so how did that change your like health perspective in terms of now you're, you know, taking care of something that you didn't have to take care of before? Yeah, it was, it was an interesting time because I, <laughs> I had actually gone through an illness prior to getting hurt where okay. I lost like 50 pounds. Before down. the ear thing? Yeah. Oh my. So I was down to like 176 pounds, which oh for gosh. me is. Yeah. So the process of getting better with that was also like learning to like put back on weight and kind right. of eat healthy again and try to get into that. So yeah, the the whole the whole process was just an adjustment, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and like everybody, you know... With work being so busy, I don't always eat the way that I should. Yep. It's a lot easier to eat out sometimes because, like I said, you know, a day like yesterday was, you know, start at 8 a.m., home at 10 and 10 yeah. p.m. It's just sometimes you have those days. Yep. So it gets do. hard. So that's kind of my focus of, like, going forward is I need to reshift myself back into that mindset. And it was actually really great listening to your podcast from last week because listening to Kirsten kind of talk honestly about that, it's – it's nice to to hear that side, right? I was like, yeah, it's true. Like if I can only go and run, even if it's just start running yep. and even if it's just subbing out one meal this week yep. and go, you know what, skip that, have something healthy instead, you know, yep. put down that, pick up you know, a piece of fruit instead of snacking on something else. Yep. And it starts there because it's so easy to get down on yourself that it's, you know. And then it spirals. <laughs> and it spirals and it, and it can quickly. 
Yeah. So. Yeah. No, Kirsten was incredible last week or whenever this is going to come out at the time. <laughs> <laughs> the, previous the, previous the previous podcast. But yeah, I took some of her, her advice and just in the th- most important thing for me was like, I've always said, you know, I've always blamed it on, I have no self-control. If there's cheese there, I'm eating the whole block. If there's chips there, I'm eating the whole bag. Oops, I have no self-control. That's just the way it is. And I've always just believed that and said that and stood by that. And that was my excuse. Mm -hmm. And having Kirsten come on and and saying, like, you know, if you eat that bag of chips, you can stop there. It's like just telling yourself that you can do it and you you do have the control to stop. Just in this, like, last week, I was out uh, on Friday had a really crappy day. I was like, oh, just I'm just going to go to Tim Hortons and get donuts because it's around the corner from yeah. work. And I got my keys, grabbed the thing, and I said, hey, Tal, what do you want from Tim Hortons? And then I was like, okay. Took a moment. I was like, no, you ha- you're in control. And I put my keys down, just went to the washroom, got some water, went back to my desk. And it was just like the little thing of like taking the moment to be consciously aware of what I was doing and not just like acting on instinct of well, I, sure. feel, I feel sad or <clears throat> I feel angry. I deserve a donut now because <laughs> the only uh, one losing in that situation is me. I read a thing um, once, and again, I'm not a doctor, but yeah. uh, I, f- I really believe it, where I heard somebody say the brain pretty much has five seconds to change its mind. So when, from the minute that you think about something, mm-hmm. you have five seconds to make an alternative decision before you go forward. Okay. And it's how you generate habits. So I know I started doing it where it's like, you know what? I should go for a run today. You have five seconds to act on that before your brain starts to try to rationalize. Everything else. Everything else. Okay. So if you have like that, it's like, I want a donut. It's like, okay, one, two, I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. And run to it. Yeah. And I started doing it with work and stuff and it it really, it's amazing how, yeah. and you become more aware, I think of it yeah. too. But I thought it really interesting when I heard somebody say that. I was like, yeah, because then you start going... Oh, should I really do that? Should I do, should I be doing this instead? Yep. I should wait. No, I got to do that. <laughs> yep. I did that this morning. I got up. I was like, okay, I got up at seven, which was, which was a time that I would normally just go out for a walk. And I said, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. And then I was like, then I waited. And then I was like, you know what? Maybe you should clean up your room a little bit. And mind you, they were still good things. Still got up and did stuff. But, yeah. you know, I still was putting off just going outside and going for a run or going in the backyard and doing a yoga practice. Yeah. And it was just like that, oh, well, I got to put my makeup on before work. Oh, I should do this. And then yeah. by the time I knew it, I was like, oh, it's 8.30. Why didn't I? And I was mad. And then I'm you like, get why mad did at I yourself, just go? Right? Undeservingly just go? so, but you get frustrated, yeah. which doesn't help the whole process yeah. anyway. Yeah. I've heard someone say, like, if you think about going to the gym or you think about going outside, just put your running shoes on. That's all you have to do. Yeah. Just get there the and you step. are more likely to go. Absolutely. So I'm going to try to do that. <laughs> That's why I wear my running shoes to work. I don't, I try not to wear like, like my Converse or yeah. my, my boots or whatever. I'm like, if I have my running shoes on, then maybe by the time the work day is done. One less excuse, right? I'm just going to go. <laughs> I'm already ready. That's right. <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit about Windsor. Sure. Because, you know, we've talked prior to this podcast, <laughs> as I think every person in Windsor ever has had the conversation of the person that thinks Windsor is the most terrible place on the entire planet yeah, against the one person that enjoys being in Windsor and loves it here and sees all the benefits. Why do you think people bash Windsor so much? I think it's easy if you have never been outside of here um, to understand. It kind of ties into what we were just talking about, right? Um, In in terms of sometimes you need something to fully understand or appreciate something else. so I think if you've, you know, if you were born here, you were raised here, you've never traveled, you've never experienced anything outside, I think it's easy to say, well, we don't have this and it, there's not this here and man, it stinks because of this. But it has a lot of positives too. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's amazing how many um, singles, couples, or even retirees who are coming back to this area because they went, you know what? I was born here. I was raised here. I, uh, we've gone somewhere else. We've experienced all this. And you know what? We love A, B, C, D, and E that it has to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, my aunt lives in Toronto. She's been there for 40 years, maybe, living like right downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. fully involved in the city scene. And she came down last year and was like, I just can't believe like the waterfront. Mm-hmm. For as much as Toronto is a lakefront city, there's yeah. about four places you can actually walk along the water. Okay. And she was like, there's so many points that you can just go and sit and walk and and enjoy it 
you know, again, I, I think it's, I came to appreciate it more after I was gone. Right. Um, and so much of a place is the people that are there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, well, and you're seeing it firsthand as a realtor, right? People coming oh, for back sure. to the city, you see that firsthand. Oh, absolutely. I think it's just easier. Yeah. And I think talking with other people that have started businesses and it's easier to kind of like social media, it's easier to put something down just blindly Mm -hmm. than it is to put on your shoes, um, open a business, start something new and make it different. Yeah. You know, if you don't, if you don't like the way you're looking and feeling, you have a choice to put on your shoes and go run and, and, and eat better. Right. If you don't like what is in your city or what's missing in your city or your county or your mm-hmm. area, then you have every opportunity to put on a pair of shoes, you know, slap on some gloves and or whatever yeah. and, and and change it. Yeah. And that's what I that's what I love about what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I love seeing the amount of younger people and older people for that fact yep. who are doing that and going, you know what? We don't have this here. Yeah. So you know what? Instead of complaining about it, I'm gonna do it. Yeah. I'm going to open up this place, you know, I'm going to start this business that offers this service. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to bring people together in a in a talk, in a conference, and allow people to meet up with each other and get to network. Mm-hmm. Just because it's not there now doesn't mean it can't be. And I, I think we're starting to see that. I know real estate-wise, we're starting to finally see that. I mean, downtown's starting to change. There's mm-hmm. a couple new buildings going up there, apartments that are, one's a green. Uh, yeah, eco- the Hive. Yeah, it's an yeah. eco-friendly apartment yeah. building. Um, the old fish market and the loop. I mean, all those are... Oh, yeah. What are they doing with that? From what I've heard, they're going to have um, retail on the bottom and the upstairs are going to be condos or nice. apartments. Amazing. Yeah. So, Rest I mean... Peace to the loop. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite place. <laughs> yeah. But, it's, but it's, it's these people that are going, you know what? Yeah, okay. It's not perfect. And it, it, it won't ever be perfect. Mm-hmm. But you can complain about it or you can do something. You can do something about it, I think. Yeah. And, and there's so many people actively engaging themselves in so many different things. And I just I don't think and if you and this is no, another thing is people say there's nothing to do in Windsor. And I my first question is always, Have you looked? And yeah. they're like, No, there's just nothing. What what's there to look for? And I'm like, here's four places, here's six events that are going on this weekend. There's always something to do in Windsor especially in the summertime when it's a lot more accessible for sure but there's I mean an endless amount of things to do whether you like to eat whether you like art whether you want to go sit by the water and do yoga there's a class there's this the urban surf co you're out this way there is always something to do if you're allowing yourself to look for it and I think that's part of it too it's just one I think sometimes it is hard to find some of these things and that's a matter of also, I think, all of us just spreading the word on yeah, <laughs> about yeah. the certain things. But, like, yeah. you just got to get out and try something. Yep. And you might just learn a little bit more. And then you try that way. thing. And then you hear about, from that event, you hear about this thing. You're like, oh, I want to go try this thing. Yeah. And it's like this, like, uh, chain, chain reaction. Chain reaction. That's <laughs> what I'm looking for. It is. It's like the more you put yourself in those positions to be around other people that are trying different things, then yeah. you like you're more apt to meet someone who's like, "Hey, you should come to this one next weekend." Oh yeah. And then you get yourself in that like community. There is so much to do, and mm-hmm. I, I think the hard thing too is sometimes we get caught up like the authentically local stuff. Like I want to do all of the county and neighboring county. Like right. You know, it's amazing if you go out to, um, you know, Kingsville, Leamington. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bell River, like all these other places, they have different little things to offer. Yep. You just got to go find them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I recently sat down with the couple that owns the Iron Kettle. And I'm like, you guys are the perfect example of, you know, you're kind of in a small little area. Like you're in, you're in Comber. It's the yeah. tiniest little your town. It's little a drive through. Yep. But they're bringing so much attention to it and they're doing so many great things and they got so many more great things coming up there. Mm-hmm. So it's so great to see passionate people bring their story and bring their their passion to these mm-hmm. areas and you don't have to go far to find it you just right. got to open your eyes and be willing to go see what's out there and yeah i think sometimes it's easy just to go yeah there's nothing to do mm-hmm. but it's there all right let's wind down a little bit cool how do you want to be remembered i think generous with my time a general good person someone who you know did more for others than they did for themselves somebody who made people laugh I love seeing people smile around me mm-hmm. and it's uh it's hard when people aren't 
even probably to a fault sometimes. Yeah. Like my wife, when she's in a bad mood and I'm just staying there like poking, being like, you know, smile. Yeah, What's wrong? Smile. What's wrong? Yeah. What's going on? And she's like, you need to leave. I need <laughs> <Now>. some time. <laughs> just please leave me alone. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I think those things are kind of, if I were to kind of wrap it in a nutshell, mm-hmm. um, someone who just treated people with genuine respect and, and how I would want to be treated. I can certainly tell you though all those words and above is what I would use to describe you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think it plays even more so now, like having Harrison is like yeah. huge, mm-hmm. you know, having an 18 month old, uh, 18 month old son changes because you do, you start to, um, I think for the first time in my life, I've started to not look backwards, but have a better understanding of where I've come from and where I want to go in mm-hmm. the next years. You know, I want to be a great dad, um, you know, amazing father, a terrific husband. I want him to to look at Megan and I like I looked at my parents, Mm -hmm. you know, married 40 plus years. With your journey specifically, Mm -hmm. what do you think is something you 100% absolutely want to instill in Harrison's life? What are some of the most important lessons you've learned along the way? Uh, Wow. What do I want to leave Harrison with? One, I think, again, like I said, a general respect for all people. Getting to know somebody and having empathy, I think, is such a huge thing that the world kind of lacks. Mm -hmm. And in political climate and everything else we see nowadays, Mm -hmm. there's just so much of a lack of empathy. And I think if we took a couple more minutes sometimes and just tried to look at it from why somebody is maybe behaving the way they are or, you know, their situation that they're in is look beyond that and say, you know, this could be why, or this is, this is why, and having an understanding, you know, that it's not always rainbows and sunshine, right? And people go through difficult things and Mm -hmm. having empathy, I think is absolutely massive. So being empathetic is one. Um, I think uh, a level of self-respect is huge and self, um, self self-confidence. I'm not one to say, you know, hey, you can do every single thing on the planet well. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. And I don't think it's helpful. Mm-hmm. But to say to him, you know, like like I think I did with, with my parents was, yeah, do it. Go. Try. try. And guess what? If you fail, then that's okay too. You're going to learn something from it and keep yep. moving forward. Yep. So if there's that determination and grit that he develops, mm-hmm. um, I'd be amazingly, amazingly proud of that. What is your relationship like with failure? Oh, failure? Um, <laughs> that, I mean, old I, that old guy? <laughs> We're like buddies. <laughs> he follows me around every day. Like, I think it's just realizing and it's, you know, if, I'm sure friends have looked at me, rolled my eyes when we start getting into like, you know, competition in sports and they give out medals for every single thing now. And I'm like, Ugh. <laughs> It's like it's not doing anybody any good because failure is part of life. Like every day I wake up, guess what? I'm going to fail at something. And if I fail at it, I'm going to learn something from it and I can wake up the next day and, you know, correct it or make improvements to myself. So I welcome failure, you know. Um, I don't run from it necessarily. There's times probably it gets the better of me, like, you know, waiting so long to do the authentically local stuff. A little of that was probably a bit of fear of, of failure and judgment on mm-hmm. that part. Um, and a, and I think an understanding of it's a learning process. Nothing's going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Success is, I think, something everybody wants to achieve. I think success looks different at different points in your life mm-hmm. and means different things to different people. Mm-hmm. So not to try to paint yourself. I think that's the one thing about failure that kind of drives me nuts is that we compare ourselves or try to compare ourselves to, to everybody else. Mm-hmm. You know, and when you aren't doing that like your friends are or because I know Megan and I um, for a long time was like, oh, you know what? You know, we're we're not married. We haven't bought a house where everybody else is having kids. Like mm-hmm. as much as it just kind of plays in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm so behind everybody yep. else. Guess what? Now I look back and I say to her all the time is I wouldn't have traded anything in the world because we went and did and lived and and failed and you know had successes and traveled and did all this stuff and where I am now in my life I don't have this urge now at 35 to be like I wish I had traveled Mm -hmm. I wish I had done this Mm -hmm. I wish I had done that 
which would put such a strain, I think, on a on a relationship mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Yep. That I'm just like, no, I love my life where it is, like, mm-hmm. and I love the fact that I have you and and Harrison and where we are, and um, yeah, just not to compare ourselves to anybody else. Yep. We're writing our own story, and yep. everybody's story is a little bit different. A little bit so. different. And there's nothing wrong with that. No, that's the best part. That is the best part. Can you imagine if you had to watch the same movie no. every single time? No, and I love movies, and I so wouldn't do, even I. do that. You'd go nuts, right? And that's kind of like life. You don't ex- you don't walk into the theater expecting this movie to be the same as everybody every other movie you've no. seen. No, I so. agree. <laughs> I think that's a great note to end this on. Sure, man. movie reference. Movie there's, references. There's no better way to end if we if you can put in popcorn sound effects as we fade out. Cool. That would be amazing. All right, I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. I always love talking to you. Yeah. Now we just no. have a recorded forever and ever. <laughs> and that's it for episode three, guys. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as I did. Mike is one of my favorite people, and I'm just so stoked that he got to sit down and tell his story. Please check him out, Authentically Local, Instagram, Facebook, on his website. Go check it out if you need a real estate agent. Otherwise... That's it. My name is Sierra Parr, and this is just part of the process. 